Welcome to All Vampires Are Gay, a serialized narrative podcast created by Corbin Rosewood. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all major podcasting platforms. If you like the show, please consider supporting our work. All Vampires Are Gay is made possible because of listeners like you. You can help out by becoming a patron, shopping our merch, and of course, telling your friends about the show. You can find all the ways to support us and more at our website, CorbinRosewood.com. Now on with the show. Episode 1, Night and Day. Welcome, I'm Corwin Rosewood, and tonight I'm going to tell you a tale, a story about an exceptionally gay vampire named Victor Nightingale. Our story begins in a large coastal city somewhere in America. It was a cold and windy evening in the dark city. Victor was perched high up in his tree in the large park downtown, one of his favorite hunting spots. He sat dramatically on the branch, his long black trench coat hanging over the side. If anyone had seen him, they surely would have thought he looked like a strange dark bird. But of course, no one ever looked up in the trees. He ran a hand through his long black hair pushing it out of his eyes as he scanned the ground below. The usual humans, a young father pushing two small babies in a double stroller, a businesswoman in a cheap suit and ugly heels, using the park as a shortcut on her way back from work. It was too early to hunt for blood, so Victor was just lounging in his tree, waiting for something interesting to happen, painfully aware that it never would. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw a movement he wasn't expecting at all. Dancing. He turned his sharp eyes towards the tree line and focused in with his supervision, expecting to find perhaps a yoga group or a stretching runner. But instead, it was a young man, an attractive young man, just standing by a tree in the middle of a park, dancing to the music only he could hear through the large headphones covering his ears. The man had wavy black hair that flopped over his forehead, buttery brown skin. Perhaps his roots were in Latin America, and light pink lips. He wore a leather jacket worn over a white blouse with a red rose pinned to the lapel and a little piece of black string tied around his neck. Victor didn't expect to become infatuated so suddenly, but there just was something about this man. It was the dancing that caught Victor's eye first, but something else held his gaze, something more than his pretty face. He looked over the soft lips and delicate eyelashes. The man's eyes were closed, a half-finished cigarette burning to embers in one hand. There was something about him that was unusual, hard to place or categorize, and that was definitely interesting. Victor focused his mind, breathing deeply and rooting his body to the trees so he could expand his other senses. He focused on his super hearing, filtering out the street noise and conversations, pointing it towards the young man and his headphones. 
Soon the sound from the headphones started to drift towards Victor. At first, a whispered note on the wind. Then it was like a radio in the room next door. But as he focused, they became louder until he could hear it as clearly as if he'd been wearing the headphones himself. Victor had a few ideas as to what the young man might be listening to, but when he recognized the song, he could not help but smile with surprise. Donna Summer's 70s disco hit Bad Girls was a very unexpected thing for a modern young man in a leather jacket to be listening to while dancing in a park at twilight. The twirling disco sounds immediately gave Victor a flood of memories from the 1970s. Nightclubs, cocaine, sparkly blouses, and satin fabrics. Glowing lights and blood-drinking parties on hot summer nights. Memories were hard to keep a hold of for a human, but when you had as many as a vampire, it was hard to find the good ones sometimes. That's why Victor loved music. He could listen to a song and it would take him back exactly to that moment in time, and he could catch those memories of his long and exceedingly interesting life. The disco song took Victor away to another world of floating fabrics and sweaty nightclubs. He felt just a little sad as the song came to a close, and he wondered what the young man would do next. Victor watched closely as he opened his eyes, the dark lashes fluttering, and pulled out his phone, the light glowing dimly in the darkening light. It shined on his handsome face, and Victor let out just the tiniest sigh. <sighs> the man messed with his phone for a moment, and then another track began. This one was Dolly Parton's Jolene. Victor let the tiniest smile play across his lips, admiring the uniqueness of this human. After a few hundred years on Earth, he had found that uniqueness was the only thing that ever interested him anymore. The only thing worth paying attention to. He sought it with a passion and craved it like a drug. Unique and spectacular beings were what made life worth living. Victor swayed on his branch to the mournful sounds of Jolene, along with the mystery man. He was just watching him and feeling. Somehow it felt like they were sharing a moment together, even though the man didn't know Victor even existed. He noted with surprise an emotion he hadn't experienced in a few decades at least. He was deeply curious and felt more than just that little thrill, the magnetic pull of attraction. He found himself wishing the song would not end. The moment would go on forever. Just him and this beautiful man sharing a song together. But of course, the last notes faded away and the spell was broken. Almost on cue, there was a rustling in the tree nearby, and his concentration was broken. He could no longer see or hear the man. Frustrated, he turned around, expecting to direct his icy glare at an overactive owl. But instead, he saw a young woman, with skin as dark as the night, in a long white dress swinging up into a tree nearby. Persephone. He frowned. This was certainly unusual. He almost never saw Persephone out of her shop, and she wasn't one for climbing trees either. 
he felt himself pulled in opposite directions. Of course he needed to see why she was here, climbing up to see him in his favorite hunting spot. But also he wanted to follow the unique man and find out who he was. Unsure which goal to prioritize, Victor turned back to search for the place where the man had been, but it was already too late. Victor's eyes scanned the park quickly, but to no avail. The mystery man had vanished, leaving Victor with only a sudden aching in his heart and a bone to pick with Persephone. Victor swung down from his branch soundlessly, moving with the grace of a carefully honed predator. He silently shook his head at Persephone, who was making quite a racket and disturbing all the birds in the vicinity as she clambered awkwardly through the treetops. He moved swiftly, jumping from branch to branch until he landed silently on the one branch Persephone had been about to jump to. He crossed his legs and flipped his hair with a dramatic flare. You could have just called me, you know, he said with a smirk. Persephone stopped her movement stilling her body and clinging to the branch, looking surprised and uncomfortable. Some of their kind liked to hop around the trees and buildings like squirrels, but Persephone had always been more of a homebody. She worked as an oracle and had a little fortune-telling shop downtown, and she preferred to feed from her customers rather than hunt like Victor. My senses are acting up again. It hurts too much, Persephone said, her eyes glassy as she stared off into the distance. She was always a little odd, but even more so when she was away from her shop. I'm sorry, doll. Anything I can do? Victor asked. His annoyance disappeared quickly with her. She was so strange, it was hard to get really angry with her. No one knew much about her past, except that she was the oldest of all of them. Their little group of new bloods. There were two types of vampires, and they were very different. There were the old ones, the ancient vampire families, who passed their powers down through the generations. Then, there was the new bloods, vampires like Victor and Persephone, those who had been turned and somehow survived the bite to become vampires themselves. Of course, it didn't always go so well. Changing species wasn't an easy thing to do, and the abilities and powers affected every human differently. Sometimes your body turned against it and fizzled out instantly. Other times it warped your mind beyond recognition. And for some, like Persephone, it heightened your senses to an almost unbearable degree. For her, everything was intense and powerful all the time. She had stronger senses than anyone Victor had ever met, but they had far more control over her than she did them. Sometimes the sensory overload was too much and she would disappear into her apartment, lock all the doors and turn off her phone, becoming unreachable for months at a time. Persephone shook her head in response to his offer of help. The pain will pass like it always does. She jerked her head suddenly, twisting it at a strange angle, as though listening for something very far away. She lowered her voice and in a whisper totally unlike her usual voice, said, you must go to him, the new one. He is special. He is like Lyran, but not. The young man with the flower. He is for you. The smirking confidence in Victor's face was gone in an instant. She sometimes spoke this way, spouting weird babble that no one understood, but she'd never mentioned Lyran before. His breathing slowed and he went ice cold. He had never told her about what really happened with Lyran, and he certainly didn't intend to. 
What did you say? He asked, the fear and anger rising in his voice as he leaned towards her. What do you know? Persephone looked up, suddenly lucid, her eyes no longer glassy. She looked at Victor, alarmed, her long white dress flapping in the wind. Why are you so upset? I just said it will pass as it always does, Persephone said, looking into Victor's eyes earnestly. He searched her face for any sign that she was lying, but found none. He tilted his head and focused his hearing on her heartbeat. It was steady and plodding. Victor turned away, looking out over the darkening trees and taking in big gulps of the chilly evening air. No one could know the truth about Lyran. She didn't know what happened. She probably was just having one of her weird oracle moments. He closed his eyes and calmed himself. I'm fine, Persephone, he said, a little catch in his voice. Why are you here? She looked at him a moment, her eyes questioning, but then they glazed over and her lucidity went as fast as it had come. Victor was glad she didn't notice his shaking hands. Samson, she said slowly, looking up high into the sky. Samson sent me. Samson is looking for you. Victor sighed, shaking his head. Is it illegal for vampires to use cell phones now? Persephone shrugged and put a finger in her long hair, twisting it tightly and unwinding it again. An owl cooed nearby as the evening began in earnest. Where can I find Samson? Victor asked. They said you could find them where the lapis lazuli runs in rivers to the sea. Victor rolled his eyes. So Samson is at the boathouse. Why didn't you just say that? Must you two always be so dramatic? Persephone did not reply. She just looked at her dark feet in their soft leather ballet shoes and began picking her way back down through the tree branches, seeking the comfort of the ground below. Victor watched her descend, crackling the branches so loudly he was sure one of the humans would look their way. He shook his head and looked towards the open areas instead. He began to scan the area around the park, looking for some prey so he could have some dinner before he went to see Samson. He spotted a good choice, a human on their way home from work, looking bored. A whistle caught his attention. He whipped his head around, his long hair cascading in front of his eyes. It was Persephone. She had reached the ground and was whistling to get his attention. Victor focused in on her sound, using his super hearing so he could hear what she said next. Persephone was mumbling in her strange babbling voice again. Amulets, magic, dark, the old ones, rising fire. Victor thought it was all nonsense and was about to go back to hunting when suddenly her tone changed. She still sounded strange, but it was confident and bold now. She said, Victor, you must go to him, the one who stirred your heart. You will find the flower man at night and day. Victor knew exactly who she was talking about, and his heart raced at the thought of seeing the beautiful man again. He quickly left the treetops, all thoughts of hunting gone from his mind as he ascended, thinking only of that buttery brown skin and soft pink lips, the way his hips swayed in the darkening light and his long eyelashes. He knew where Persephone meant, and he was soon in a taxi, heading across town to one of his old haunts, the Night and Day Cafe. 
He normally avoided cars whenever possible, but just in case Persephone was right, he didn't want to run the risk of losing track of him again. The cafe was located on the waterfront, with a web of fairy lights covering a patio overlooking the sea. He had spent many nights there last winter because it never closed and was perfectly situated near his old hunting spot. He hadn't been back in a while though, since he tried not to be too much of a regular anywhere. It made the humans too suspicious. The taxi dropped him out front and he leapt out as the night descended over the docks, the water turning as dark as his trench coat flowing out behind him. Victor walked with big, loping strides on his light-footed boots made of thin, supple leather. He always wore light shoes so he could jump into trees and onto buildings quietly, landing soft-footed like a cat. And of course, his shoes were black. Everything he wore was black, except the small silver pendant he always wore around his neck and refused to talk about. Scene, Night and Day Cafe. He entered the patio and scanned the area quickly, looking over the chattering patrons like a hawk, searching for his prey. At last, much to Victor's delight, he saw his quarry. The young man with the vibrant rose in his leather jacket was sitting at a table near the edge of the patio, one leg up on the railing and a small notebook resting on it. Victor felt his pulse begin to quicken, and he felt like he couldn't breathe for a second. He told himself that it was only because he was scared by Persephone's premonition. She had never been this accurate before. Knowing where someone was like this was a kind of magic unknown to him. But of course, his fear was not the only thing making his pulse quicken and his chest tight. He found a table at the opposite end of the patio where he could observe the man without being noticed by anyone. Victor perched delicately in the chair and began the meditative process of focusing his senses. He tuned his vision to see the young man in detail. He watched his pen moving across the page and then pink lips that looked oh so soft sipping on his iced coffee drink. Long time no see, said a cheerful voice, disrupting his focus. Victor was startled and looked up with just a hint of guilt in his eyes. The waitress was standing there, her pink hair in a ponytail. Oh yes, hello, Jenny, isn't it? He said to the waitress. She nodded, happy he remembered her. Good to see you again, she replied. Your usual? Victor shook his head, gazing away from her. Do you see that man? She turned to follow his eyes and squinted. With the rose? Victor nodded. I'll have what he's having. She laughed. <laughs> you won't like it, are you sure? Victor frowned. Yes, he said coldly. Jenny shrugged and walked away. Victor returned to his creeping while he waited for his drink. This time he used his hearing straining to hear the young man, but the other noises were too distracting. Between the cafe guests, the loud waves hitting the shore, and the seagulls, it was hard to focus on quiet noises so far away. Jenny returned quickly with his drink, an iced coffee concoction in a plastic cup. She handed it to him with a smirk on her face. Victor took the cup and sipped on it thoughtfully. Ah, he said sticking his tongue out and nearly spitting it on the ground. That tastes like saccharin candy, he bellowed. Told ya, 
Jenny said, shaking her head with a laugh and holding out her hand to take the cup. Your usual? Red eye with an extra shot? Yes, please, Victor said, handing her the cup like it was a dead animal. That drink is absolutely ghastly. Jenny laughed. I'm glad you're back. You're always such a funny character. With that, she walked away briskly, leaving Victor wondering what was funny about him. He shook these thoughts off quickly. The opinions of humans were mostly irrelevant and boring. He clasped his hands together, absent-mindedly toying with the silver rings that adorned his slim fingers as he thought about how to approach the man. Eventually, he made up his mind and stood up just as Jenny arrived to put his coffee cup in his hand. He thanked her and paid, holding the cup closely, its gentle warmth a contrast to the cold ocean winds. Victor had thought of many ways to casually approach the man, to lie or fake some kind of situation to begin an interaction. But you see, after a few hundred years, you just stop caring about such social pleasantries. He decided it wasn't worth the hassle. He strode purposefully across the cafe and simply sat down at the table, placing his coffee cup down next to the young man as though they'd known each other for years. The man turned to look at him, a bit of surprise on his face, which quickly turned to interest when he saw the attractive person who had joined his table. The large rose on his jacket shook gently in the wind from the sea. He spent a moment taking Victor in, his long leather trench coat, dark clothes, and hair like curtains across his imposing cheekbones. He opened his mouth to say something, but found he wasn't sure what to say exactly. Luckily, Victor had more than enough to say for both of them. Hello there, Victor said, casually leaning back in his chair and taking a sip of his coffee. Hello, the man ventured. He looked flustered and a bit nervous. It wasn't every day that someone like Victor sat down at your table. Sorry, do I know you? Not yet, but lucky for you, that can change, Victor said audaciously. The young man chuckled and seemed to relax a bit. He reached down into the leather bag at his feet and pulled out an instant camera. He quickly snapped a photo of Victor with a loud whirring as the camera spit out the little white photo. Victor was stunned. Who said you could take my photo, he demanded. The man shook the little white photo between two fingers as he thought about this for a second. Who said you could sit at my table? He replied serenely. Victor smiled just a little. This was going well. Fair enough. How did it come out? He asked, peering over the table at the little image that was slowly starting to appear. The young man took a look at it and quickly slid the image between the pages of his notebook, stuffing the book into his bag in one fluid movement. Lovely he said, his eyes daring Victor to demand to see the photo. There was silence for a minute as the two of them stared at each other, each waiting to see what the other might say next. What's your name? Victor asked finally. Robert. Victor frowned. That couldn't be right. There was no way this scrumptious, unique human had as pedestrian a name as Robert. Are you sure? That seems quite boring for you. Robert laughed. Am I sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I know my own name. Huh, Victor said, bemused. Ever thought about changing it? Excuse me, Robert said, too confused to be truly annoyed yet. It just doesn't suit you, that's all, Victor said with a shrug. You could do better. Robert rolled his eyes. 
Oh, I see. You're one of those guys, Robert said disdainfully. I assure you, I'm like no one you've ever met before, Victor said. Oh, but you are, Robert countered. You insult people in a casual way, sliding by on your good looks and confidence, when all the while you're really just trying to bring down the people around you to cope with your own wounded ego. You think you're Mr. Fabulous, but if you really were, you wouldn't need to put me down to feel good. Robert looked into Victor's eyes unflinchingly, with a bit of a triumphant smile on his face. Victor stared right back, excitement on his lips and tension building in the air. I'm not putting you down. I'm just being honest. It's a compliment, even, Victor said, but his voice sounded unsteady and he didn't like it. Nonsense. If it was a real compliment, you wouldn't have to tell me you were complimenting me. I just know. Victor paused a moment, staring into Robert's sharp brown eyes that were holding his gaze steadily. He felt such a strange mix of emotions, it surprised and delighted him. Finally, he said, You're right. I apologize. Robert had his mouth open with his next retort already loaded, but Victor's response threw him, and he sat back in his chair and smiled. He laughed a little and looked out at the sea. I like my name just fine, thanks. What's yours, Mr. Fabulous? Victor laughed and put out his pale hand with a flourish of his painted black nails. Victor Nightingale, pleasure to make your acquaintance. Robert looked back at him, and this time there was a teasing flirtation in his eyes when he picked up Victor's hand. When their hands slid together in the most casual of handshakes, the two of them both felt something indefinable, like as though these hands were always meant to be with each other, these fingers to intertwine forever. After a second, Robert pulled his hand back quickly, like he'd been burned, and looked away, suddenly filled with shyness. To cut the tension, Victor reached into his jacket and pulled out his cigarettes, offering the pack to Robert in an unspoken movement. Robert nodded, and Victor handed him a cigarette before taking one himself. He held the lighter behind his hand to shield it from the strong sea winds while he lit it, and then handed the light to Robert. Robert took a long drag of his cigarette, the white smoke curling up into the dark night air, while he carefully avoided Victor's eyes. For his part, Victor was on an emotional roller coaster from their conversation. He was enthralled, delighted, and very scared. Scared of the emotions he couldn't explain, and especially scared because of Persephone's premonitions. But Victor was a wild and chaotic being. Fear had never slowed him down before, and he wasn't going to start now. Anyway, he lived for drama. Why would he stop now that he'd finally met somebody interesting? Robert, he said, leaning forward intimately, cigarette in hand. Tell me something about yourself. Something you've never told anyone. Why should I? Robert asked, his tone light and playful. Tell me something about you first, Mr. Fabulous. Victor growled at this sassy nickname. He absolutely hated it, but he wasn't going to tell Robert that now. He flipped his hair out of his face and said with a perfectly calm and composed tone, I'm a vampire.
And so we bring our first episode to a close. A scintillating start to what will be a twisting tale of love, blood, violence, death, betrayal, magic, and of course, lots of very gay vampires. You've been listening to All Vampires Are Gay. This episode was created, written, and performed by Corwin Rosewood. Produced and composed by Parker Frost. With additional production, mixing, editing, and engineering by the team at Studio Corwin. If you enjoyed this episode, consider supporting our show today so we can make more episodes in the future. You can find all the ways to support us at CorwinRosewood.com. Thank you for listening.